You're listening to Watching Friends on the HyperX Podcast Network. Welcome back to yet another episode of Watching Friends. This is Season 3, Episode 4, The One with the Metaphorical Tunnel. I'm Mark, and I'm hopeless, awkward, and desperate for love. Hi, I'm Ryan, and I'm not believable as a human being. <laughs> but these are the most accurate joking uh, things yes, you've yes, 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 definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, there has been a, a lot of Friends news over the past couple weeks, su- surprisingly again. Yeah, I feel like it's like the universe has kind of gone, they're doing a podcast. They need things to talk about. Let's fill the news with Friends topics, which, yep. you know, I'll, I'll take. I'll take, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take all this extra content. So we, we've got a, quite a big one that you're going to... Go through, I guess. Yeah, I guess the, the biggest one is that Friends creator Marta Kaufman, 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 Kaufman uh, has basically said she's embarrassed and feels guilt about the lack of diversity in the show and has donated $4 million to create the Marta F. Kaufman 78 professorship in African and African American studies at a university in the States. Which, on the face of it, is nice. I mean, I guess, I mean, we're British, so we tend to be overly cynical, but. I understand where she says she feels guilt and embarrassed because she didn't realise it was an issue back then. And she's not saying it was a deliberate thing, just that, you know, with the systemic issues in America and the world, she didn't realise at the time that there was a problem. And now she looks back on it. And apparently the murder of George Floyd was a, a big kind of awakening for her and, you know, to re-examine her life, I guess. And she noticed that about the show. But I guess it is nice. And it is nice that she's donated $4 million to create this professorship programme. However, attaching her name to it, kind of undermines the whole thing to me a little bit there, there, there's two issues with this uh, the first one is she feels there's a lack of diversity in the show now first off you know ross dated an asian american uh we had charlie who was a um african-american uh there, there is different like races you know you got the the lesbian couple in the show yep there, there is lots of diversity in the show I guess you can look at it in more minute detail and like you look at the background actors and we've discussed this in the past like Central Park is generally filled with white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York, I would say it's fairly multicultural but I would say majority of people are, are white in New York City. Uh, in the show, yes. In real life, I'd say no. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is some there and, and at the same time you can go, well, you know, all the friends are white. Why don't they have, you know, an African-American friend? At the same time, I, I look at like my my friends, you know, like I've got friends of all different, inef- I can't say, even say the word. Ethnicities. Inef- yeah, the, that word. That word. Uh, you know, but my main friendship groups are generally white. And then I think about my friends and their main friendship groups are generally like the same races that they are. Yeah. Uh, so to me, it, it doesn't sound out too, too much of, you know, that all the friends characters are white. Uh, in some ways, I think maybe it'd be a bit weird to just have like the the token, you know, different race in there. Maybe it it stand out too much. I guess. I mean, it, it brings like South Park's point, where obviously South Park have a black character called Token. Yes. Um, and they did an episode recently where it turns out his name isn't Token, it's Tolkien. Yeah. Um, and they frame the show as if if you thought Token Tolkien's name was Token, you're the problem. <laughs> yeah. And it's absolutely hilarious because every time I think it's Stan asks like. What's his name? People are like Tolkien, and they all yeah. have always said that's his name. Um, so I can't, I kind of get it. I, I think people complain about diversity. It's purely about the main cast. It's not about background actors or people they date. It's about the main group of yeah. friends. And I'm not excusing the lack of diversity, but I guess when you look at it logically, you've got Monica and Ross, yep. who are siblings. So, you know they're going to be the same race. Um, they grew up in like the suburbs of New York, which tend to be a more affluent area. So statistically, they're going to be white. Yep. Um, which meant that they went to school with probably affluent white people. So that explains Rachel and Chandler. Yep. So four of the six are already white. Um, then you've got Joey, who I guess... He's Italian-American. Yeah, this is the kind of diversity where people stop caring, which yeah. is an issue with kind of, I guess, race topics, is that when you say white, what do you mean? Because Joey's technically diverse. He's an Italian-American. He's not, he's not English. He's not an all-American. He's... No something American um, but that probably wouldn't satisfy most people on a diversity quota who's still you know he's not enough shades away from white I guess for no. lack of a better phrase to, for it to matter and then Phoebe is obviously white but so of all those people I would argue that you can't really class Joey as 
white in the you know all american traditional system yeah. like systemic sense but how bad would it look if phoebe was not white because then you'd have the poor underprivileged homeless hippie girl yeah. would be a, a diverse race a different race and that would look awful imagine if the one poor homeless girl who's had all sorts of problems in life was black i feel like that would get picked up on way more than them all being white yeah definitely it, it, it is a tough subject to to talk about because yes you having diversity should be fine should be normal you know like our our friends out there you know we don't care what race they are what color they are where they're from how they speak whatever right but at the same time you know the majority of people in you know in america are white and certainly in the cities and and stuff like that they're going to hang around with people that kind of i guess relate to them a bit more it's the same way when you look at uh shows like the the cosby show is anyone saying well there's a lack of diversity in the cosby show or you know the fresh prince of bel-air stuff like that but that because that's one show out of 100 i guess yes um as opposed to the 99 but I, I think the thing I find weird about it is that it, not that we don't need to look at race and systemic racism, because obviously we do, but at the same time, I grew up in a very diverse area um, of, of Birmingham, and I've got lots of friends, and at no point have me or any of my friends of different ethnicities sat down and gone, hmm, Ryan's a white boy, and like yeah. tried to, it like, doesn't mean anything to us, um, and all of my friends, regardless of their, their kind of race or creed or ethnicity or religion or whatever, we have things in common that yeah. aren't race because that's not important to the 99.9% of people on the planet. Like no. I hang out with like person B because we both enjoy watching the cricket yeah. or per- friend B and C both like gaming. And at no point has our race ever been a topic of conversation apart from the past probably couple of years when, when race identity, I guess, has became a big issue. Yeah. And then it's just, well, you know, I guess it's more, mostly me asking questions like, how does this hit to you? How does this feel to you? And they're like, oh, well, you've never been this. Or, and, yeah, I, I think you should definitely always have more inclusion, no matter what you're, you're doing. It's when it's forced inclusion. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Like Malcolm in the Middle did a fantastic episode on this where uh, Malcolm's dad, Hal, uh, he has a, a new black friend and he invites him over to, to play some, uh, some blackjack with, with his friends. And it's all like four big black guys. And, you know, they, they take the mick out of him and they're like doing all sorts of in-jokes and stuff and they're like, you know, look at the, you know, the guy over there. He, we you know we can take his money sort of thing. And he's like going on, you know, you're, you're doing this because of who I am. And for the whole episode, you're thinking it's because he's white. And they're like, no, it's because you're like really bad at gambling. That's why we invite you over and take the mick out of you because you're bad at gambling. We don't care about how you, how you look or who you are. Yeah, I mean, again, most people don't. I, I think to me it's it's... When they were casting friends, was there an equal opportunity for everybody? Yes or no? And if they actively discouraged non-white people applying, yeah, send yeah. your $4 million apology. If everyone had the same opportunity to apply and you didn't actively yourself or as a studio inhibit people applying, then you've not got a whole lot to apologize for. No. So, so you know, Martha is right in, in some ways, like, yes, there should have been more diversity in the show. Yeah, uh, I think at the time, like it was a pretty diverse show, but yeah, more is always good. Yeah, the second point that we bring up is that it's in her name. Yeah, which is the the bigger point, I guess. Which though. which I guess is that a lot of people have ish, will have issue with. It's like you know, it's a white rich person putting you know a diversity issue in their name. I I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if I could articulate it well enough. I'm, I get I, again. I'm I'm going to assume it's a it's a British thing, but in my mind, if this was me and I had guilt and four million dollars to give away or four million pounds, I would donate that money to the scheme silently, and it would it would have a name that doesn't involve my name at all, and the university or educational institution could distribute that however they want and yeah. use it however they want. I would then know I've done what I want to do, and I feel better. I wouldn't feel the need for press, but and and certainly I think race. Um... Is, is a bit different in the UK because the UK is so multicultural. Whilst, yes, racism exists here, I think most people just kind of get on because you're, you're so surrounded by it. America, race seems to be a, a much bigger issue uh, and division between people and certainly between different states. Like, you know, if you're on the, the coast, you're certainly surrounded by more cultures. If you're in the middle of America, then you're not and, you know, things are a bit different, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, so it's 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 a tough subject for us to talk about because we're talking about it from a UK perspective, where 
race, I think, is way less of an issue for most people because it is just so diverse and people just kind of get on with it. Uh, but it, it's an interesting thing. I, I know, do think uh, a different culture plays a big part in it. Um, there's a story from World War Two that I always always sticks out in my mind whenever we talk about the difference between kind of race and class in Britain and America. Um, and it's called the Battle of Bamber Bridge. And it's from middle of the war when obviously a lot of American GIs were stationed in the UK. And essentially, the, the local British people treated everybody equally. Um, not to say that um, there wasn't racism in Britain, I'm sure there was, but it wasn't the same kind of racism, I guess, as they experienced in the States to the point where you know, there was no segregation. Um, or at least enforce segregation. Mm. And long story short, um, like the black soldiers would go hang out at the pub and drink and you know, party and dance and do whatever, have a nice time. Um, and then the American kind of general in charge of the area found out what was happening and was like, we can't have this. Why are the English treating the, the black guys? I'm sure you didn't use that word. But mm. why are they treating the black guys like people? Like what's going on? Like we, if this makes us look bad because they're going to see that in Britain, black people and white people sit and drink in the pub together and have a nice time. They're going to expect that back home and we've got to stuff it. So they sent the military police in and it turned into a giant riot. People were shot um, because we didn't have it. And there's also a story from a dissimilar time where some black soldiers were in a pub drinking with the, you know, drinking with the white people. And one of them, the black soldiers was dancing with a white woman. And some Amer white American soldiers walked in and saw what was happening and basically went, oh, what the hell do you think you're doing N-word to this, like, you know, soldier? Yeah. And then the you know, top up went, what the hell did you just say? And the uproar started, basically, and the, the British people beat up the American GIs. Because, like, <laughs> why are you being racist idiots for? And it's, it's a nice story, I guess, as a British person, to be like, look how good we were <laughs> while ignoring, ignoring the empire we built. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I do think culturally it's massively different. I don't think... I mean, we've got shows over here, historically, which would not air today. Things like Love Thy Neighbour yeah. and Alf Garnet, and there's lots of problematic shows which technically were diverse, even if the subject matter was handled weirdly, but you wouldn't air them today because people wouldn't be able to handle No, because, and that was actually brought up a, a few weeks ago on a radio show I was listening to where there was like, well, the, the whole joke wasn't that like the characters in those shows were black. It was looking at the white person being an idiot, basically. But you couldn't air them today because of how they portrayed people, I guess. Yeah, every episode of, of Love Thy Neighbour ends with the white man looking like a racist idiot. Yeah. And... It exactly, I mean, I guess it's where you find any humour in the show that may have been an issue, but in terms of was the, was, you know, the black character in that show the, the figure of fun, I've not seen many episodes because it was an old show yeah. and I was young, but I don't ever remember it being. I remember watching it as a kid thinking, that's wrong, that's racist. I yeah. remember just being like, that man's an idiot because he was a white racist. Yep. Well, I think we've, we've spoken about this for long enough on a show that's meant to be about fun, friends, yep. stuff. Gotta get political stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's get in with the episode, the one with the metaphorical tunnel. I wonder what tunnel they could be being metaphorical about. We'll find out. Uh, so we open with an infomercial uh, for Amazing Discoveries. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Amazing Discoveries. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, again. You guys, please not watch this. Shh. Folks, if this ever happened to you, you go to the refrigerator to get a nice glass of milk, but these darn cartons are so fling and fling and hard to open. Well, you said it, Mike. I don't... Oh! oh. <laughs> There's got to be a better way. And there is, Kevin. Can we please turn this off? No way, Kevin. <laughs> I told you that there's a revolutionary new product that guarantees you'll never have to open up milk cartons again. Meet the Milkmaster 2000. Are you intrigued? You're flinging, flinging right, I am. This is the first time he's never used this product before. You're going to see how easy this is to do. Go ahead. This works in any milk carton. Wow, it is easy. <laughs> now I can have milk every day. We didn't really get these sorts of adverts in the UK, like except about for like 4 a.m. on you know some random channel, but. I think we all know kind of what they are. Yeah, I feel like if you've, if you've watched any American television, you're aware of like the infomercial. But wait, like, there's more. Well, wait, there's more. I remember <laughs> it was like, it's like vacuums. It's like, <laughs> call now and you'll get the super sucker 62 million for whatever. And then it'll be like, but wait, pay on credit card and you'll get the accessory set. And I'm just like, yeah, you, you know what? They're a cliche at this point. 
But at the same time, they are kind of entertaining to watch just as kind of background TV. I mean, if it has flinging flanging in it, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd probably watch it. I always wonder how many takes did it take for, for Matt LeBlanc to rip open the milk adequately enough for enough to spill to make it look like an accident? Because we've never had milk like that. Ours are either coming uh, glass bottles with a little, plas- uh, little metal top on, yeah. or they're in plastic bottles with you know a plastic top. Yeah, plastic screw tops. Yeah. So yeah, it's like what, cartons. I mean, you, and even the cartons you can get now still have like a plastic. They basically have the milk master horizon built in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very weird way of having milk. I did like the way the the guy had like a super bright jumper on. Uh, it's just like very eighties or early nineties, just mm-hmm. just like super super over the top. Uh, but then you know, like Joey appears on the TV. Uh, he can't open the milk carton. No, it's, and, it's too and, difficult. And Joey, or should I say Kevin, spills milk all over himself. Ah, oh, like it, some great character acting from you know. From yeah, Joey here. he he definitely like pulls a face when he's like called like Kevin. He's like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it is really funny. I really like this advert. I'd I'd love to have seen more of these. I, I know someone who appeared in an advert. Um. And at this point, no one brings it up because you'll get murdered if you do. But for a while, people will just quote her line from that advert okay. at her. And yeah, now you don't dare do it. <laughs> so I imagine being called Kevin would get annoying. What, what is the line? I can't say because then it's that I'm identifying the oh. person. And I'm too scared to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Joey's got the Milk Master 2000 because that was always the futuristic thing to do in the 90s. Uh and it's, you know, it's so easy that even Joey can use it. Now he can have milk every day. Every day. Just, just really love that line. Uh, I just we, like the idea that without it, there are days where you just couldn't get into your milk. <laughs> like you'd be there in your morning if you see we like, yeah, I'll give up. And you well, just not have milk. Well, you sit with like pickle jars where people can't open them. And then they just like, I'm just going to smash it. Yep. I don't or, care about the glass in it. Like, this does not exist in 90s New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just, it's such a stupid product. But most of the products on these infomercials are essentially pointless well there, there's a company in the uk called jml and they make these sorts of products but actually some of them you're like that is quite good yeah like those well those like white erasers that you rub on walls and they're supposed to get off like scuff marks right. and things and i'm like do they work but i'm like i'm not risking 14.99 to find out because no. i don't believe the advert no so some of them some of them are quite cool and interesting some of them you're just like no that's just who's buying that lots of mops i yep. see mops we then get the intro, and we are at Central Park, and Chandra and Janice can't find a good movie to watch, uh, so perhaps they'll go and see a bad one and make out, which I think is saying that everyone's done, right? No. Oh. I, I like movies. Yeah. <laughs> I go watch my movie, I'll watch my movie. So, so you're like, sorry, darling, no kissing in the cinema, I'm watching the movie, I'm engrossed. Well, it's in public, I don't want to be icky, <laughs> and two, if, if we want to make out, we'll just go home. Okay. There's nothing romantic about a cinema. Like, oh look, I'm on this sticky floor with popcorn everywhere. There's some screaming kids in the background, and that old man's falling asleep. You know what we should do now? Snog. Like, no. Well, you've heard it there, ladies. Right, Ryan's not a cinema guy. If I take you to see a movie, we're going to watch the damn movie. Yeah. Yeah, you are definitely rushing. Be like, yes, we're definitely seeing this uh, 1970s French subtitled film. Although, actually, you know what? If it's the new Jurassic Park movie, yeah, maybe we can make out in that because it was that dreadful. Yeah, I don't think we'll talk about that. We'll we'll be on a tangent for days. Yeah, let's keep me off dinosaur tangents. <laughs> uh, Monica offers her back to uh, Monica and Chandler to lean up against, uh, so they they can make out against her. I've got a story about this. So I remember I was in a in a pub once with a bunch of friends. And there was a this guy there with his new girlfriend, and they were you know all over each other in the bar, and they are slowly leaning over. It's almost like they're lying down as she's like pushing her way on top of him. And the girl that's next to them, they're basically doing the same thing where they're basically leaning on her <laughs> and pushing against her. And she's like, she's awkward at first. And eventually she just snaps and is like, look, stop it. Like you're leaning on me now. Like stop doing this. Yeah. It's just grim. Yeah. I mean, like I, that is, that, that is kind of gross to me. Yeah. I was at the, a pub once meeting a friend's, I guess new girlfriend. They've been dating a, about a month, but we hadn't met her. Um, and he was sat behind her, so she was sat like between his legs. We had, we've had this story, haven't we? Have we? Is, she, is she the religious one? No, no. This is okay, a, this, uh, this is a new one. Okay. And, uh, on. The religious girl would not have got up to this nonsense. <laughs> um, and basically, we're trying to get to know our mate's new girlfriend, and she shared lots of nerdy hobbies with us. So we're, we're getting into like, the nitty gritty of the nerdy hobbies that we're into. And my mate's just sat behind her, with like, arms cradled around her, basically eating her neck at this point. 
but it's distracting because you're looking at her in the eyes being like let's talk about the lizard men and then you can just see my friend like, <laughs> like, like some kind of strange limpet on the side of it and it was gross and we were all just sat there going like are they going to stop and she was clearly getting annoyed but he was oblivious to it but it was it's England so we were all so polite that we were just kind of sat there going terrible but not <laughs> enough to say anything and you just just no need it, it must be awkward for her as well because either she's enjoying it but trying to have a conversation with you which is weird or she's not enjoying it and also still trying to have a conversation with you yeah when you're out in public like a little kiss fine like little peck on the face or whatever or a proper little you know brief brief actual kiss <laughs> is more than enough like how how long have you been apart at this point like if you've not seen the person for four months and you're that desperate to physically express your affection Staying. I'm, I'm sure our listeners right now are imagining you with a top hat on, a monocle, a cane. It just makes people uncomfortable. There's just no need to yeah. that. I mean, I'm not saying never be affectionate with your partner. I'm not saying don't hold hands. I'm not saying don't kiss. I'm saying don't fall over yourselves. You're basically saying that if you see an ankle, that's a turn on for you. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. I don't like anything near the feet is an immediate turn off. But, oh, an elbow. Yeah, it just it just feels needless to me. Like yeah. how? I'd, no, just get out of it. Joey then enters, still in his sling from the previous episodes. And, you know, his agent wonders why he didn't go to an audition and he accuses Chandler of not passing on the message, which will be a, a plot point in a later episode. It will. Uh, turns out Phoebe didn't pass on that message, though. I have a question. Why was she in the boys' apartment? Turnaround's fair play. Like, the boys were always in Monica's. Well, Chandler was actually in the closet counting to ten and Phoebe's hadn't found a place to hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it makes sense uh you know so but she she'd answered the phone while he was counting and taking this message somehow uh and then she's written the message on the palm of her hand which is such a bad place to put it yep i mean back of your hand slightly better but yeah just... it's still gonna be a mess right uh so you know joey's now missed his chance uh but this is where phoebe takes control and tries to make it up to him and she grabs the phone from the counter Calls the casting director, pretending to be an agent. What are you doing? What are you doing? No, no, I know, I know. Ooh. Hi, this is Caitlin from Phoebe Buffet's office. Um, is um Anne there for Phoebe? She'll know what it's about. Hang up, hang up, right? Annie, hi. Listen, we've got a problem with Joey Tribbiani. Apparently, he missed his audition. Who did you speak to in my office? Estelle? No, I don't know what I'm going to do with her. No, all right, so your husband leaves you and then burns down the apartment. The world does not stop. Is anybody else scared? Right, well, look, if Joey loses this audition, then that is it for Estelle. I don't care. Annie, you are a doll. What time can you see him? I need a bath. Get the woman a pad. Get the woman a pad. A pad. A pad. I really love the, the little voice that Phoebe puts on, you know, for both parts of the phone call. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, she manages to get a new audition for, for Joey, which is good, but then needs a pen to write down the details. Uh, except for she uses the back of Chandler's neck. It's better than palm of a hand, I guess. <laughs> Maybe, right? Like the, there's loads of paper and newspapers she could have written on anything, right? I, mean, I think this is great. It entirely redeems Phoebe's for the forgetfulness. Uh, you know, it's ballsy. And, it, you know, it's above and beyond an apology. I don't know. When, when you're not directly involved, you can go ahead and do stuff. It's like, you know, when you say to your friend, oh, I'm going to say to the manager, what an amazing employee you are sort of thing. Like, you're not as invested, so you can can be a bit cheeky, I guess, with sort, sort of things. I guess. I'm curious how Phoebe does this so well. Um, I didn't, like, when she calls, like, the fact that she had the smarts to think, of, oh, I'll be the... The person's, you know, receptionist or secretary first, and then be like, connecting, and then it's like, it's so well thought out so quickly. And I'm like, yep. does Phoebe ever dabbled in acting? Like, how does Phoebe know how agents work? Like, I didn't. I would have just been like, hello, I'm Frank, I'm the agent. I wouldn't have <laughs> thought of like connecting, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I think she just makes it up as she goes along. It's great. We're then at Monica's, and Ben arrives with his two mummies and his Barbie. And this is where Ross is a bit upset that he carries a Barbie uh, that he got off his two gay mums. Yeah. Uh, Susan is acting very smug at Ross being insecure at this scene. I love Susan. She's great. Because <laughs> Ross deserves this entirely. He does. Um, I, we're going to go into detail with this later on, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Ross is trying to convince Ben to give up the Barbie and play with some boy toys like monster trucks and dinosaurs. Now, yeah, okay, they're, they're for boys, they're for girls, though. Like, 
I think definitely uh, dinosaurs are becoming like a girly thing, like certainly on clothes and stuff like that. Dinosaurs everywhere. Uh, I like, don't understand what, like animals are seen as girly and dinosaurs are just really old animals. Yeah. So I don't understand at what point society went, they're for boys. Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, it's, it's the same way, like pink uh, in like a hundred years ago used to be a boy color. You dress boys in pink and well, then no, somehow it changed to blue. That was only because pink was more expensive. Oh, okay. That it's, it's, it was probably worse sexism because <laughs> it was pink was more expensive than blue. So boys who mattered more apparently were putting pink because it cost more. And like boys used to wear dresses. Yep. So uh, like there were some days walking down the road where I'm like, I wish I had a skirt on right now. It's, you know, like you <laughs> just want to be free and breezy. Yeah, just the wind. Like oh, look, I'm wearing jeans, and then you're strolling down and we're like, my ex. Well, I think my ex Jess. We've all met her now. Um, she was wearing like these like 1950s like summer frocks that were like airy and breezy, and I'd be like. I want to put that on. It's <laughs> too warm in my jeans. Especially if you go commando. Commando. <laughs> Don't do any lunges though, right? Yeah. <laughs> it always reminds me of Flanders from The Simpsons. Going, yep. Nothing at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it is strange. Like when they're young kids, let them play with what they want to play with. Like they find rocks interesting. They make up little stories about rocks and things. So who who cares? I mean, I don't get the logic because. If you're, con- I don't understand what they're like. So your concern, Ross, is that your son has an interest in women. <laughs> like I, I think it's more that he's going to grow up to be more feminine. I mean, Ross isn't exactly the most macho bloke. No, exactly. In, That's... in the boroughs, is he? <laughs> and again, the Simpsons have, have touched on this uh, in an episode uh, where Homer takes Bart to a gay steel mill because he thinks the, the steel mill is the manliest place possible. Yeah. And, so, and it's a it's a very funny episode. It's probably a bit outdated. Uh, but yeah, there, there's lots of like guys and probably even women uh, who are like, you know, that's for boys, that's for girls. And it's like, they're kids. They don't, they don't know anything. No. Let them enjoy what they enjoy. I do enjoy the stupid, inquisitive dinosaur noises that Mosh makes at this point. And I was like, Rawr? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid, but it makes them laugh. But yeah, Rachel's 100% right to call him out on his nonsense. I really like how we get a quick cut to, to Rachel using the Milkmaster yeah. 2000 as well. Only if Joey gets a cut. I mean, Joey gets a commission if everyone's sold. I'd hope so, right? Yeah, I'm uh, Monica appears and she's off to work, but is looking a little deflated on the chest on one side. She's missing a boob. Uh, and then Joey was using it as a headrest. So. It's just great. Uh, there, there was an episode of, I think it was Taskmaster I was watching the other night, and they was like, bring in your softest thing in the world. And someone brought in um, chicken cutlets, or, you know, they're for like push-up bras and stuff. She's like, boobs are the softest thing in the world. <laughs> so I can see why Joey's using that. And then Chana comes in with a ringing phone. It's Janice. And Chana doesn't want to see her tonight. Uh, apparently at dinner she swapped some of their food around, which makes me think you know Chana needs a, like a food buffer. Yeah, you order like an extra side of fries and then put it in the way. <laughs> uh, he's getting upset though because they're they're now a couple and it's set off an alarm in his head. Uh, he doesn't want to be afraid of the commitment thing. What's the big deal? Why don't you want to see Janice? Okay, last night at dinner, when the meals came, she put half her chicken piccata on my plate and then she took all my tomatoes. <laughs> That's bad because you hate chicken piccata? No. You didn't want to share your tomatoes. Tomatoes are very important to you. No, no. It's like all of a sudden we were this couple, okay? And this alarm started going off in my head, you know? Run for your life! Get out of the building! Men are unbelievable. What is it with you people? I mean, the minute you start to feel something, you have to run away? I know, that... That's why I don't want to go tonight. I'm afraid I'm going to say something stupid. Oh, you mean like that guy thing where you act all mean and distant until you get us to break up with you. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know about that? <laughs> Look, what do I do? I want to get past this. I don't want to be afraid of the commitment thing. I want to go through the tunnel to the other side. Where there's no fear of commitment. I think we have a bit of a slip up here. So obviously can't see it in our podcast uh but it looks like they kept it in because chanter accidentally knocks monica's huge breasts he does uh and you know i'm glad they kept it in because it is very funny just like the look on their face but they, they just carry on as if like it's normal it's, it's brilliant yeah it's cool uh joey has has the advice though face your fears he needs to be the most committed guy there ever was <laughs> i mean yeah i guess <laughs> like 
face your fears, get over it. And and I really like the the way the girls are like, you know, men just like, you know, they go silent on you when they don't want to to be with you anymore. It's like, you know about that? <laughs> yeah, it's but I mean, fear and commitment's a weird one because I think people take it personally a lot of the time. Yeah. When you shouldn't like it's not they're not scared of committing to you, they're scared of committing and you just got to separate, I guess, but relationships are complicated. Yeah, I, for me, this has never really been a, a thing in my life. I just kind of, things move along, just however. I've never really thought, right, it's three months now. We need to discuss, like, you know, having a draw or you have, like, a key to my apartment or whatever. Like, everyone in the Friends universe always has these steps where they're, like, they freak out at. And I've, I've never really felt that. Uh, maybe once. So when Jess and I started dating, she moved in after about eight weeks, temporarily, um, and then never left. But ba- well, she did eventually, as we know. <laughs> Susan arrived and she left. Um, but no, like she moved in and it was supposed to be a temporary thing. Um, and then she didn't, she didn't leave. And then we ended up moving in. That was not my family home. And we ended up moving in together. But when she initially, like, I realised she wasn't going back to her parents' house. I was like, oh, this is, this is faster. But the problem is I don't. We, I was saying to some people like yesterday, we were talking about like start of relationships. I don't fall in love. I plummet. So it was, I was at that point. I was like, eh. Like I'm already, yeah, already yeah, she's already there, and I guess the difference is that you was quite a lot younger than the friends group are at their age in the show. Mm, no, c- I was c- older. You, no, oh, you, 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 you thirty five, nearly thirty six. Jess and I broke up what two years ago. <laughs> the maths we're doing live is terrible, <laughs> and then we were together seven years. So I'd have been late twenties, yeah. Oh, okay, I'd have been late twenties when she just moved in. Okay, fair enough then, yeah. I mean, technically, it wasn't her fault. She moved in, and then her family moved her little brother into her old room, and then Jess had nowhere else to go. So she was just stuck with the perros. <laughs> uh, we're then uh, back at Central Park. Uh, Phoebe's beeper goes off. Uh, it's about Joey's audition. He got the role, which is cool. And then Phoebe's, you know, she's, she's a pretty great agent, I think, you know, getting him a role. Uh, but now Joey has another audition that he really wants. Actually, three auditions. Nope. No, it's four. It's four. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way he does that. People do that all the time. So later on today, I'm going to a friend's house. Um, and he went, oh, do you want to come over on Saturday for hangs? And I was like, yeah, cool. Why not? I'm not working for a change on a sunny Saturday. I'll go over. And then like half hour into the conversation, there's some painting that needs doing. And I'm like, oh, like, don't do that. Hey, when people set yeah. you up for an expectation and then you're like, oh, you just want me to help paint. I don't mind yeah. helping painting, but give me both bits of information at the same time. Yeah. So that you can decide. Yeah. Because you, you can't be like, yeah, I'll come and you do painting because I don't want to be there. Because now I feel like saying no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then at Chandler's, uh, Janice and Chandler, they're eating dinner on the foosball table, which looks quite awkward to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nowhere for your legs to go under that. Uh, when Chandler gives Janice a gift, and it's contact paper. I don't know what this is. Nope. Uh, but it's for the drawer in his dresser where Janice can leave some things. Sometimes we do research on this show, Mark, and sometimes we don't. Well, I, I, I get from the context of it, it's like just some nice paper to put in the bottom of a drawer. So when you put your stuff on top, it makes it cleaner, nicer. I don't know. Maybe his drawers are dirty. Apparently, contact paper is an adhesive vinyl that's used for decorating, covering, protecting, and lining drawers, shelves, and other flat surfaces. Okay, so yeah. Why would you buy drawers that you need to protect your clothes from? <laughs> I don't know. What are they doing? I guess, I guess if you had some old wooden furniture, perhaps, that wasn't varnished, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, so he's done that, which is nice, uh, but there is a little bit more. Oh, well, I gotta buy a vowel. <laughs> Because, oh, my God. Who would have thought that someday Chandler Bing would buy me a drawer? Well, not me. (laughs) But that's what's happened. And, uh, and, And there's more. We should take a trip. We should? Yep. We're a couple, and that's, uh, what couples do. And I want to meet your parents. We should take a trip with your parents. <laughs> I don't think we need to because you're tripping me out right now. Are you okay? No, I am. I actually am. I mean, this is amazing. My entire life, I have feared this place. And now that I'm here, it's like, what was the big deal? I mean, I could probably say, let's move in together and I'd be okay. You probably want us to move in together? (laughs) 
doesn't scare me. Yeah, well, it scares me. I mean, I'm not even divorced yet. Chandler, you know, you just invited me over here for pasta, and all of a sudden you're, like, talking about moving in together, and I wasn't even that hungry. You know what? It's getting really late, and I, I should just, um... Oh, no, no, don't go. I've scared you. I've said too much. I'm hopeless and awkward and desperate for love. Such a great line. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think we can all re relate to that line. <laughs> you know, they they should take a trip together. That's not that scary, especially as they've dated on and off for yeah. quite a while now. Uh, he should meet her parents. Maybe that's a little bit scarier the, the older you get, especially if she's got a kid and that. It, the dynamic changes from when you're like 16 meeting their parents to when you're like 30 meeting their parents. I think it gets easier. I think so. Because as a, when you're younger... They're the older authority, you're a child, they're an adult. Oh my God, I need to prove myself. Mm. Whereas when you're older, you're kind of like, well, I'm an adult. So, you know, while I would like your approval to date your daughter or son, I don't need it. No. Like, I'm like, well, you don't like me. Tuck boobs. And, do. and then Joe, uh, then Chandler goes weird and is like, we should go on a trip with your parents. Like, why would you ever want to do that? I mean, I went on a holiday with Jessie's family, including her parents. Had a lovely time. I really got on with her family. But not as a, an early thing, right? No. Once you got to know them a little bit. Yeah, a couple of years in, I think, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Janice is getting worried now. Uh, Chano's pushing through, though. Like, you know, he could be okay if they, they moved in together. And, you know, Janice maybe rightly freaks out a little bit because she's not even divorced yet. So so these are, like, all huge steps. And, you know, she's she's not in a great spot currently because she's going through a divorce the last thing she's probably thinking about is you know moving in getting married again well yeah i mean again it's going to be the the cliche uh, ryan phrase at this point of the podcast um just be honest and open like you don't need to have these conversations in such an antagonistic way no like if she just was like you've channel like i'm i'm getting divorced i like you i'm not ready for these steps because i've essentially people don't like admitting they're scared but i've still got a lot of fear about you know Getting divorced sounds horrible. I mean, Ross would know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just doesn't sound fun. So I, if people were just more open about their feelings, things would get a lot easier, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the girls later on will go through that in a bit more detail. Uh, but then we have Chandler. He calls Janice's answering machine to apologize in advance for chasing her down the street. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> it's funny. I think chasing, chasing is probably the wrong word. Like going after a bit like, hey, look, sorry, like, do you want to discuss it rather than you just walk off? Uh, like there's a there's a famous YouTuber that, that talks about their relationship sometimes and they're like hey like never go to sleep angry like sometimes we've like stayed up till four in the morning to discuss things so they're like that's better than going to bed angry and like yeah in this situation Janice and Chana should have spoke about it not leave on this kind of thing no, I agree like I'm I'm not a patient man as you know um, but not I like resolutions to stuff I like mm. conversations stuff and end and draw a line under things even if it's even if the line's just, let's not talk about this at the moment, can we talk about it later? Fine. Um, normally I don't like that, though. I'm like, no, let's yeah. fix it now. Um, but, yeah, to just run out on someone's a bit intense. We then end up at Monica and Chandler's. Uh, sorry, we end up at Monica's, and Chandler is given a massive tub of ice cream. I've never seen ice cream that big before. America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Explain. I mean, I mean, it is the low-fat ice cream, so maybe they had to, like... Bulk it up somehow, right? I do love other girls are like, you know, when you get screwed over time and time again, you do need to go for the low fat. <laughs> yeah. You save the full fat stuff for the really terminal <laughs> yeah, cases. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chandler Chan basically got too clingy and now, like, you know, Janice needs some space, which I think is fair. I don't understand too clingy because you're in a relationship that in theory you want to go somewhere. How can you want that too much? <sighs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it from both sides. Like, someone being into you is great, right? That's what you want. But sometimes you do need a bit of space from people and some alone time. I guess. And uh, to me, it just sounds like don't express how you feel because it makes me feel weird. And it's like, well, I guess it's why you feel weird. It's probably a lack of control as well if someone's too clingy. Like they're taking too much control out of your decisions. Because I don't think Chandler was clingy. Like, like you said, clingy being like, you can, you know, don't leave me alone. I need some space. That's yeah. fine. Like people, of course, need their own space. But I don't think Chandler was clingy. No, I think he was jumping too far and getting very desperate. And I think that's the problem. Like, he wasn't slowing down and understanding the situation. If anything, I think Janice is the person that mishandled this, not Chandler. Uh, yeah, there's, it's on both sides, I think. Like, yeah, Chan, Chandler went way over the top. But then Janice also got way too upset and ran off. I mean, given, given 
that she's already said, oh my God, who thought Chandler Bing would give me a draw? Like she knows what a big deal this stuff is to Chandler. Yeah. So when he does kind of go, you know, all hell for leather out over it, you'd be kind of like, surely like it's Chandler, like he's obviously, this is a big deal for him and now he's freaking out. I feel like she should be more understanding given the history they've got. If this was like yeah. date seven, fine, freak out. But, you know, you've known Chandler how long at this point? She should have said, you know, calm down, Chandler. Like, yeah, why don't we think about the trip first? The other stuff we can talk about later. Yeah, like I've not even filled a draw yet. Chill yeah. your beans. Uh, the girls don't think this is going to be terminal, though. Uh, he just needs to act aloof uh, by running into her on purpose and then be aloof. Uh, I, I wish I had friends like uh, Ron- uh, Rachel and Monica. No. I hate dating rules. They're so icky to me, Mark. Just be vulnerable. Being vulnerable is tough enough without having to skip for a minefield of do's and don'ts. Again, let's just be honest and open and not get butt hurt when someone says, you know what, they're not there yet. It's just... For, for me, it'll be having friends that like care about you. In that, way. In, in that way. In that way, you know, they're there for you to listen and offer advice. That's what I mean. Not telling me to act aloof. I, I mean, you got to listen to me when I go on about romance, to be fair. You tend to be the practical friend in the group. Okay. You just, you know, you're like, well, I understand. There's plenty more fish in the sea. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want that fish, Mark. I want this fish. <laughs> and then some of our friends, some of our friends just nod. And then one of our friends immediately closes down the conversation. Um, if it's about romance. I, I think the worst one is like when you're newly single and people always go, take a cooking class. That's like the worst advice possible. Because there's no thought put into it. They're just like, uh, what's something you can do to meet people? Cooking class done. And it's lazy. Whereas I, you know, Rachel and Monica, I think do care. They've, they've listened to Chandler. They're giving him advice and being like, look, this is how you can fix the situation. Even if their advice isn't the best, at least they're kind of trying. Which yeah, is I what I like. Yeah. Uh, another, another time or day or something, who knows, right? Uh, Ross is still trying to convince his son to drop the Barbie and said, go for G.I. Joe. Guess who's here? It's the toughest guy in Toyland, Ben. Real American hero. I'm G.I. Joe. Drop the Barbie. Drop the Barbie. G.I. Joe? You really think he's going to fall for that? G.I. Joe? Cool. Can I play? <laughs> Look, Ben, it's a toy that protects U.S. oil interests overseas. Go, Joe! Like, this is where it gets weird, right? Because G.I. Joe is a doll. Yep. And the whole point of it was they had Barbies and stuff. And I was like, well, how do we make this for boys as well and save a bit of money? I guess you give Barbie an assault rifle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much right. <laughs> I, I forget the, the, the full story where G.I. Joe came from. But it, it's basically, yeah, like, you know, boys can play with things too. But how do we do it so it's not girly? And it's like, yeah, make them army men. I've probably mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. Um, so, so, so skip ahead of yeah. 60 seconds no well my, my part of my childhood was ruined when I discovered that Action Man my favourite toy as a child was just a reskinned G.I. Joe where they changed the name like it was right. basically the exact same thing and I was like but I thought Action Man was like this really cool British institution of toys <laughs> and it's not it's just some American knockoff um, yeah which, which makes me laugh actually because America's like G.I. Joe and the, in Britain it was like let's not associate him with military at all he'll just be Action Man yeah. the greatest hero of them all it was great <laughs> yeah because we, we never had G.I. Joe over here like there's there's little bits that creep in through media Yeah, like the more you know that you, I see that on like Family Guy and stuff like that and I was like oh I found out it's from like G.I. Joe eventually and stuff uh, I, I really love how Ross you know tries to do I guess the, the advert tagline or maybe the intro to the show He's yeah. like, drop the Barbie sort of thing. <laughs> just, But yeah, he's, he's basically giving his child another doll. So what's wrong with Barbie? Like, you're right. Why doesn't his son want to play with women? Like, Yeah, if, if he was giving him a, a, not a doll, he'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But swapping the doll for a doll, maybe Ross was compromising. And maybe he started with, you know, a dinosaur toy and a sword. And then went, okay, we'll go to the dolls. And then we'll, because well, it's just they call girls toys dolls and boys toys action figures. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's like when you know when like grown ups that might our age buy Batman figures. It's not a figure. It's an action. It's a model. It's a statue. It's a whatever. It's a collectible. Yeah. It's just no. It's a toy. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm sure, like when you was younger, like if your your sister had dolls and you probably got your Batman figure and her Barbie and they they went on dates and stuff and no. things. No, no. This is the part I've told before. 
but I would open the big toy chest in my room to play with Action Man and all my Action Man would be half naked because <laughs> my sister's Barbies had stolen their clothes <laughs> okay. all the time. Like friends would come around to play and they'd be like, let's play Action Man. And I'd like open this chest that had like 50 Action Men in it and like Jungle Action Man would have a, like a vest top on and nothing else. And I'd be like, where's his tiger trousers gone? And I'd like burst into my sister's room and there's Barbie wearing his tie with an elastic band around her waist because she's too damn skinny to fit him. And I'd be like, it looks weird where my friends come man and I'm an Action Man and naked. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm 21. <laughs> yeah, and then I complain. And my mum's response would always be, it's nice to share, Ryan. And I'd be like, Action Man can't fit in a miniskirt. Like, <laughs> like, there was no way of sharing. She just stole Action Man's clothes. Because as a child, I was never into to figures or dolls or anything. Like, I had like one Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Which one? Uh, I had Donatello. Nice choice. Uh, don't know why that one. I like them all apart from Raphael. Why don't you like Raphael? I just hate his personality. Is he because he's like grumpy and edgy? Yeah, and I just hate anti-hero. Him. Yeah. So you like Donatello because he's a dork and weird. Uh, I, I maybe, but I like uh, his. Is it a staff? Yeah. Uh, I like those. Like he's got some reach there with those. Where Donatello just has like little finger things. Like everyone else has like long things they can like throw and hit people with, and Raphael has. You know. Oh, Michelangelo's got a sword. No, he doesn't. Leonardo's got a sword. Yep. Michelangelo's got nunchucks. Yep. And then your Raphael's got size, yeah, which, which are always sharp, which annoy me because they weren't supposed to be. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was never into into action figures or, or dolls or anything like that. So I, I loved Ninja Turtles. Great. Well, Hero Turtles, as it was called in the UK. Here's some trivia for our foreign listeners. Um, we have the weird, I don't know what that you'd call them, the censor people in yep. the UK decided that the word ninja was dangerous and promoted violence. You couldn't also you also couldn't show the nunchucks because nunchucks were banned in the UK. So he could have them on him, but he would never use them. So they would always cut those areas yeah. uh, until later on where they could be brought back in. So there, there was like headbutts uh, were out as well. So like in the Matrix, yep. that was cut initially. Uh, so, so yeah, for like 20 years or so, nunchucks were out of all action films, which was a lot of them. Yeah, so technically, Mark, we grew up being Teenage Mutant Ninja Hero. Fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a no. quick ad break now, I think. <laughs> we are going to have an ad break. <laughs> uh, we'll see you in a, in a few minutes. As a fan of podcasts, you've probably thought about starting one of your own. Introducing the new HyperX Duocast. The Duocast has all the essential features an aspiring podcaster would want from a USB mic, with HyperX favorites like Tap to Mute and a vibrant mute indicator. It's compact and elegantly styled, perfect for situations where you want a mic that looks great but isn't too extra. Check out the new HyperX Duocast, available at Target.com or shop direct at HyperX.com. Come on in, take a seat. What are you having? Well, of course I've heard of Hair at the Dogcast. That's the podcast that talks about video games and beer. For all of the latest gaming headlines, craft beer reviews, retro games, modern games, series retrospectives, console studies, and on occasion, extremely hungover discussions on the lore of Kingdom Hearts, make sure to check out Hair of the Dogcast, part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell, around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games, that's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000, now part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Mark and I create this podcast in our own time, and we'd love to bring you more content. To do that, we need your support. Join the Watching Friends community at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. Our £5 tier, also available in dollars, will get you the ad-free version of the show, access to the exclusive content such as our episode all about James Michael Tyler, our top 10 rankings of everything from the best episodes to our favourite guest stars, and our exploration of all the weird and wonderful Friends merch, Friends Fest and much more. And beginning at the end of January, Mark and I will delve into the fantastic spin-off series, Joey, only available to patrons, help shape the future of our content with access to our Patreon polls. We're there for you. Be there for us and the rest of the Watching Friends community at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. Welcome back, everyone. And Phoebe arrives and is trying to avoid Joey. Uh, he didn't get the role. And she doesn't want to be in like this position of giving Joey bad news. 
uh, he kind of gets it out of her eventually that, you know, they've never met an Italian actor with a worse Italian accent, <laughs> which I think is brilliant. Because, yeah, I don't ever think of Joey as being really Italian at all. Like, there's, there's very little about his personality. He's, he's way more American. Americans have these weird obsessions with their, their like, heritage, with yeah. the little prefix. Like, they're not, you know, that is all American phrase, which makes no sense to me. And then they have, like, oh, I'm Irish-American or Italian-American or Bosnian-American. I'm like, you're just American. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't understand why they're obsessed with it. Well, it's, it's the same with our discussion at the, the start of the episode, uh, talking about race and that. Like, you know, you have African-American, but you don't have African-British. No. It is just, you're black, aren't you? I always wonder how, like, Africans feel about African-Americans being mm. Africans. Like, you know, they weren't born, you know, they were born there. Like, they were born in the middle of Texas, and it's like, well, how African are they exactly? Yeah. Like, I, I think here, like, you know, if you, if you came over from Indian, you'll be Indian. Whereas if you're British, uh, you might be a British Indian, or you'll be a second descendant Indian or something like that. Well, you'd, you'd, yeah, you'd, like, you'd, you'd have that conversation with someone, and they'd be like, oh, I'm British, and you go, okay, no, my family are Indian. And that's how it's done. It's like, oh, yeah. I was born here, so I'm this nationality. And then my family come from here, and you'd have a conversation, like, well, I'm ancestrally this, and then, but it's not, it's a bit of trivia, really. It's not a core part of your identity. You're not no. like, oh, I'm from this part of the planet. Like, who cares? Yeah, you're not in a you know five percent Cherokee or anything like that, are yeah. you? But Joey, you know, he doesn't want uh, Phoebe to quit. You know, she's the best agent he's ever had. She's so, sweet. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, we're at the grocery store, and uh, Chandler is trying to accidentally run into Janice. Uh, you know, he's acting aloof or very posh or British, maybe. Chandler. Hello, Janice. What are you doing here? Uh, just a bit of shopping. How have you been? Are you being British? No, not anymore. Why are you shopping here? You don't live in this neighborhood. Were you here waiting for me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, Picking up some things for a party. Barley? What kind of a party serves barley? Well, I'm sorry if my friends aren't as sophisticated as yours. Where is this party? Here in Chelsea. Whose party is it? A woman's. What woman? Chelsea. Okay, you know, one of two things is happening here. Either you're seeing somebody behind my back, which would make you the biggest jerk on the planet, or else you're pretending that you're seeing somebody, which just makes you so pathetic I could just start crying right here in the cereal aisle. So, like, which of these two guys do you want to be? Can I be that guy? How long was he waiting at that grocery store for her to turn up? Uh, it's weird. Yeah. Like, no. I, maybe he knew what time she got off work and would go and buy stuff. Maybe she buys stuff every day because it's a local shop rather than a big shop. I, I almost feel like uh, maybe in the 90s in, uh, in particular, or maybe it's still relevant today, like in America, is that you might shop more locally and just be like, I'm just buying today's food. Whereas in the UK, you don't really tend to do that. You go and do a big weekly shop at the big supermarket, which yeah. are all nearby anyway. Whereas maybe America, like, you know, you have to drive out to the big supermarket and use the local grocery of just your daily, I'm buying this for dinner today. I mean, the whole plan is ridiculous. It is. Uh, I, I, I do love the way he tries to act British. But, yeah, like, <laughs> being British. Oh, like, at that point, I'll be going, I don't, yes. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> yeah. lead into it, because at least then you just think you're being weird and funny and not creepy. Yeah, because he, he can't act aloof at all. Well, it's impossible. You can't. You, being aloof while deliberately engineering a situation to meet somebody isn't aloof as it's, no. uh, it's like It's completely against what you're trying to do. And then Janice, you know, thinks he's either seen some other woman or pretending to. Like, he can't get out of that at all. No. We're back at Central Perk and uh, Phoebe has some more uh, rejection notes for Joey. Like, he wasn't believable as a human being. That's such a harsh <laughs> note. Like, who... Who would do that? Surely you'd be like, no, Joey didn't get the role. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Uh, he is pretty, uh, but dumb. Sorry, uh, pretty dumb. <laughs> and at that point, Joey just wants to steal back. I think that's fair. Yep. Uh, but it's okay. Joey cottoned on, you know, Phoebe's made all this stuff up to stop being Joey's agent. He caught her. Yep. Yeah, he definitely is pretty, but pretty dumb. But dumb, yep. Uh, at Chandler's apartment, the girls are looking after Chandler with lots of rubbing. Did you notice that? 
No. There, there's lots of touching and massages and all sorts from, from the girls on Chandler. It's comforting. It is. It's a bit weird. I don't think it's weird. I've never Just... had any of my friends do that for me. <laughs> well, commercial friends are blokes. <laughs> like, I've had women like, comfort me and hug me and, you know. Rub my shoulders and back and stuff, and be like, "Oh, dear, dear Ryan, it's okay, you know." Maybe I'm just not as tragic as you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, at least the uh, the good ice cream can come out now. Yep. Uh, but not before Janice calls, and this is where the girls don't know what to do in this situation. Like, I I love the way you know he pushes Monica out of the way to talk to Janice on the phone. Yeah, like this is unprecedented. Guys never call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know he gets honest with his feelings, and you know this seems to work, and it it just really upsets the girls because it never works this way for them. No, I mean, my logic would be that's not a gender thing. It's just dating the wrong people. Yeah. Uh, we're back at Monica's and Susan and Carol were here to pick up Ben whilst Monica is uh, pouring chocolate sauce on top of the ice cream. Uh, apparently, Ben loves his G.I. Joe doll now, uh, but Susan and Carol are a bit suspicious, which I think is fair. Yeah, it's valid. Valid suspicions. I think as a young child, he would probably just play with it because it's a doll. Like, he doesn't know it's an army doll or man or whatever. Yeah. So I don't think as a child he, he cares or he's converted over. He's just got a toy to play with. I mean, plus, it makes sense that Ben would pick up a doll because he lives with two women. So when he goes to the toy shop and sees something he recognises, that's what he's probably going to pick up. I don't even think it's that. I think he's just gone, I like this, and picked up. That's, that's what children are like at that age. Um, and he's, he's very young, don't forget. Yeah. He, he's not even a, a toddler at this point. But children pick up all sorts of weird things. Like I say, they, they like to play with stones. They pick up stuff and, you know... Same with cats. Give them a box and like that's the best toy ever. Sure. Children are the same. They just see something and go, I like it, and they don't know why. Heard it here first. Children are cats. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. You buy them a toy, they'll play with the box. Uh, this is where Monica wonders aloud why Ross is so upset about the doll. Uh, because he used to dress up as a woman as a kid. Carol and Susan's faces here are amazing. I would almost want to like screenshot it and put it on a t-shirt. I enjoy their faces here so much. Your weenie for. So he's a Barbie, big deal. You used to dress up like a woman. What? Well, you used to dress up in mom's clothes all the time. What are you talking about? The big hat, the pearls, the little pink handbag. Okay. You are totally making this up. How can you not remember? You made us call you B. Oh, God. I've literally never been this happy. Wasn't there a little song? Oh, please, God, let there be a song. No, there, was no, there was no song. There was no song. I am B. Okay. I drink tea. Okay, that's, that's a lot. Won't you? Won't you? Won't you? Won't you dance around with me? Everything about that moment is perfection yeah it's so good the, the way she's like she she's trying to remember but she also is like teasing out little bits and uh, just you know carol going oh please let there be a song yeah it, yeah it's fantastic she's just great it's yeah. great yep and, and that's what kids do they do dress up uh, as whatever they want and pretend and make believe in that well they're not all children because some people don't uh have that they can't they're, they're, there's lots of different things that, that people have where they might not have internal monologue uh, they can't imagine in their head and they might not even have like any imagination. Yeah. And it's really weird to find all this stuff out. Cause you, you find someone you'd be like, Hey, you have no internal monologue. Like how do you talk to yourself in your head? And they're like, I don't. That sounds weird. It's, it's weird. Right. Yeah. If, if you don't have that. And same with imagine where you're like, if I said to you, imagine an orange, you can, in your mind, you can see what the orange looks like and the details and stuff. And some people, like especially uh, artists, can see that in minute detail. And there's all these like different like levels of detail you can see. And there's a detail where there's none. We go imagine orange. They're like, I don't know what it looks like. Like I cannot picture it in my head. They know what an orange is. But they can't imagine. They can when they see one. They know that's an orange, but they can't imagine it. When I was a kid, Sonic was my imaginary friend for a while. Okay. And he would just run alongside the bus and we'd have conversations while I was on the bus. And I maybe get hit by cars sometimes and rings would fall out. <laughs> like I had a massively overactive imagination. 
Oh, I think we need a conversation after this podcast because that sounds very interesting. He <laughs> just went alongside the bus. I think that's the fact that's more interesting to me is he wasn't with you in the bus. You was looking out of the bus at him running next to you. Sonic Brown a bus. He's faster than the bus. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to discuss that later. Uh, yeah, I got, you got to love the song, IMB. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, so so Ross used to dress up in his mum's clothes all the time with a bag and a pink hat and call him B. I think every child does this. Like they find shoes and they just put them on, whether they're their mums, their dads, whatever. Yeah. Uh, him wearing his mum's like clothes though must have been quite weird because like his mum's gonna be way bigger than him as a child. Like mm. a dress would drown him, right? True. Uh, yeah. So he wore the pink hat, called him B. That's a that's a very old fashioned name. It is. Uh, and he even had the little song. And I, I love the moment where it dawns on him as he remembers this. He's like, oh, God. He's like, oh. I like that he doesn't try to deny it. Like, no. Until he remembers, he's like, oh, yeah, okay, this did happen. Like, being embarrassed by your childhood is funny. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, we cut to like an old film of young Ross singing the song, all dressed up in the garden, uh, dropping his tea, and then Monica comes along to clean it up. Yep. Uh, originally, I used to think that this might actually be a home movie, but it's not. It's, you know, it's a different actor playing. Yeah, they shot it. I Ross. was convinced that young Ross or Monica were going to be like, the relatives of the producers or writers or someone. Yeah. I looked into it, no, it's just an actor and that appeared to be the only thing he ever did was yeah. Young okay. Ross. And I was like, oh, okay. Because you've got like the Goldbergs, mm-hmm. which is uh, talking about like their family and, and stuff like that. And they have actual clips from their, their childhood because the, the whole Goldbergs is based on like the real life of the writer, I think. Yeah. And it's got his family clips. And it's like, here's the clips that actually inspired the parts of this episode. And obviously we embellished and... Yeah, they like bookend the episode with actual footage. Yeah. Which is cool. I, yeah, I, I really like that. And that brings us to, to the end of the episode. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fast-paced one, isn't it? It is. Uh, I was looking at the, the time of this recording. We spent, you know, 10, 15 minutes talking about uh, Friends news. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty fast episode. There's not a lot to it. Going yeah. through it, you know, we we have the stuff with the Barbie, which isn't very big scene. Chandler and, and Janice is probably the the main bulk of this episode, and yeah. and that's really it. Like the Joey Joey audition stuff is whatever. I mean, I think we can pull up with Chandler and Janice and his weird commitment stuff, but because it's it's only lightly touched on here, there's way more interesting conversations further down the line, especially yeah. as him and Monica start to date. Like the, this isn't a bad episode. It's just kind of, I would say, probably a pretty average one. Like the, there's no real highlights to it. The the song at the end is is really great and stuff, but everything else is kind of it's just there. It's it's fun. It's just, like you said, it's not bad. I feel like especially the world we live in nowadays, things are either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. Yeah. And in reality, this is just a decent episode of Friends. Yeah, it's just, it's just enjoyable. It doesn't move the story. It has, you know, there, there's a lot of discussion to have around. You know, giving your your child like boy or girl toys sort of thing well, like, that's quite interesting if we'd done this podcast 10 years ago that would be a much bigger conversation whereas now it's just no one cares yeah um, I, I well i still i think people still do care a little bit but at the same time like the the toy world itself is changing where you know they don't advertise for girls yeah. as, as much there still are like the here's the pink aisle and here's the blue aisle sort of thing but you know girls are allowed to ride a boy's bike they're allowed to you know do boy things and kick a football like I think people care less now. Well, there was a, a girl recently, uh, I think she was like nine, who went viral on social media because she went into a JD Sports, or a sports or some kind of sport clothing store. I don't know which it was. Um, and all of their football boots were marked as for boys. And she's like a really good like, youth footballer and was like, what's this? Like, I love football. Like, why are you, why are you leaving me out? Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, it's, it still does happen. But it's not as perfect as it used to be. Um, but as we were discussing before the podcast, I went to the Euro Women's Euros opener at Old Trafford this week, um, which obviously you'll be hearing weeks ago. In fact, it's probably the final while <laughs> I'm saying this. Hopefully we're in. Um, but yeah, that was really cool from like a gender equality thing to see all these like 68,000 people really excited about football. And, you know, there were little girls in full England kit getting really excited. And it was cool to see. So I think generationally as it goes on especially our generation and the following ones it will be less and less of a thing yeah like i mean i don't have kids yet but if i do and you know my son comes home with uh, a doll and my daughter comes home with a chainsaw i'm gonna be like where'd you get that from but other than that i'm not gonna care what they're playing with <laughs> nice chainsaw yeah, nice, <laughs> nice chainsaw little one what you gonna do with that it's like kill the sofa oh, but yeah just no one's gonna care because i i have very 
there's plenty of things I'm into that are very traditionally feminine and no one cares. Like, I watch My Little Pony. I mean, that's for kids, but it's good. That's because you're a brony, I'm isn't bro- it? I'm not a brony. <laughs> I don't know if I count. I don't know if I'm into it enough to be a brony. I own the role-playing game, so probably. Well, it's, it's the same way, you know, if you watch Disney cartoons, people are like, oh, that's for children or for little girls or whatever. And it's like, no, like, you can watch Gravity Falls and perfectly fine. Which I love. It's just a dumb idea. The amount of times when I would go out with people and when I worked for Disney... My male friends would use that fact to start conversations with women. They'd be like, he works for Disney. And then suddenly, they'd be like, like women just flock and flooding over. Like, oh, Cinderella, we just start chatting about Disney. And then I'd normally end up with all the attention, not because I'm, you know, I was the best looking, just because they'd talk about Disney and I knew about Disney and they didn't. So it would just be like, okay, well, you've kind of backfired here. But it, they would yeah. try to use it because it's like, oh, it's, you know. Whilst they're going, I'm lonely and desperate for love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like talking about Disney princesses. Yeah, I mean, it was. There were people when I worked there who would come in and they'd assume that I didn't know anything about Disney princesses because I was a man. Yeah, and I met this one girl saying, "Have you got any uh, Briar Rose dolls?" And the mum went, "He won't know. Ask the lady." And I was like, uh, "Briar Rose is out back, and then we go get one for you. Aurora's over there." And then woman looked at me and I was like, "Yeah, I do. I don't just know about the Star Wars things, love." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, in your in your stormtrooper outfit. <laughs> yeah, people people just assume, don't they? Which is, but I like my over over massively over again the point. It, it's going to be a thing of the past sooner or later because yeah. it's such a ridiculous concept. That... Well, it's, it's even more ridiculous when you think of toy companies because like, hey, you know, if you sell Barbie, if you sell it to women, okay, you're selling it to 50% of the population, surely you want to sell it to, to boys as well or men as well. Yeah. And then you can have even more money coming in. Like, why segregate it? Yeah, why would you want to deliberately cut out half of your market? Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. So we're going to be back next week with uh, episode five, the one with Frank Jr. It's not one I'm looking forward to. I mean, we'll get more into it next episode, but better than I remember it being. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you can find us at Watch Friends Pod on Twitter and Facebook. You know, be subscribed there to be given the latest updates when the episode goes live. You can join us on our Patreon. Please join us on our Patreon. We do put a lot of F into our Patreon, as well as this show. We do. And obviously, we bring you this show for free. Uh, so, you know, if you want to show some appreciation and thank us, do support us on there there's different tiers from one pound or one dollar or one euro whatever you want to pay yep and you can go up from there and you know help us make the show even better and you can also contact us so you know if there's anything we said in the show that you want to, to chime in on uh you can do at uh, watchingfriends.com there's a contact form there you know we love to get uh emails and to to read them out and i think next episode we've got like some reviews and stuff we're going to read out from people that we've got which is always nice so until next time, uh, I've been one of your hosts and Ryan has been here, I guess. I <laughs> count as a host. I've been demoted. Yeah, you're, you're just tangents. Tangents, all right. The tangent and, department. And yeah, we'll, off. yeah, we'll be back next week. So see you later. Cheerio.